get ready for an untraditional Lent because you make hay when the sun shines. Amen? Hey, I'm getting an amen from the choir. Now that's the first. It is a joy to greet each other, to speak of what's happening. And then, oh Lord, help our hearts be ready to be attentive to you as we hear this prelude, my Lord, what a morning.
a psalm. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is like the weaned child that is with me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time on and forevermore. As we come into this time of prayer, there have been some events that have happened over recent days that have touched hearts. So for a second, would you place your hand upon your heart and allow God to know what you carry there deeply and personally and passionately. For we worship a God who knows all and is already moving, and for this we give thanks. O oh Lord, we have been freed by generations that have come before us to call you by name. The total intimacy of speaking your name overwhelms our, us with gratitude. So we call you by name as you call us. In front of you, we name the stones that stop us. They have sealed away our soul, sometimes even from ourselves, and the stench of death triggers us to avoid, to ignore, to not deny. The ugliness of not wanting to be of same mind using tools that allow us to strip away humanity, dishonoring the primal gifts of limits set in place by you from the beginning, and we charge ahead. Often we leave behind the very comfort we seek to bravely and fully be in the intentional work of living each day, welcoming who and what you bring us, 
so that we might be more fully alive in this moment. Death is a boundary that strikes at the deepest core. It makes failure from what we see and our souls and our beliefs stall. Yet, here you are. You welcome us to your lap of love. Racked with sobs of sorrow, pain, and disbelief, we learn to accept your vulnerability. We come to the center of your being and listen to the sweet heartbeat of goodness, of miracle, of salvation. And then, O oh Lord, the one who knows fully what it is to be us calls, come out. After four days, after four months, after four years, after a thousand years, we come out are unbound and set to life anew. O oh Lord, like a weaned child, accept our prayers this day. Amen. Jesus is the way. Jesus. 
to John chapter 11 as we continue our journey through the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. I'll be reading from verses 38 through 44. Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, there is already a stench because he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I know that you, I knew you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so they may believe you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, for this gift of story of your resurrection power, we give you thanks. Open our hearts and our minds today so that we may hear your message of glory and hope and life. Amen. Grief is a curious thing. 
As it ebbs and flows over time, the sands smooth away some of the jagged places in our hearts, softening and changing us. At times, it feels all-consuming, and at other times, mildly present. It's complex and conflicted. It shows up in our emotions, our behaviors, and in our bodies. Grief hurts, it changes, and it moves. Grief is a curious thing. It was 1996, before cell phones and caller ID, and before my family had invested in voicemail. Answering machines were still very much in vogue. The one in my parents' house sat in what used to be my bedroom, but was now the home office. As a young adult, I had recently moved back home to help my parents care for the house. Finding myself alone in the house one day, I heard the phone ring. Now, while I didn't want to answer it, I did want to know who was calling. So I ran into the office to listen as the answering machine picked up. Was this going to be a person that I picked up interrupting their message because it was someone I wanted to talk to? The female voice on the other end started speaking. Jennifer, this is Susan from church. I know your parents have been receiving a lot of phone calls and care, but this call is just for you. I too lost a brother, so I know what that experience is like. If you ever need someone to talk to, know that you can give me a call. I stood there stunned as I listened to her leave the message. She was right. Losing a son at the age of 23, my parents had received an outpouring of support from our church, our neighbors, our family, our community. And I, too, had received an outpouring some of support from my own network. But none of them had lost a brother to cancer. None of them had lost a sibling. The past four weeks, we've been nestled up with Jesus and the family of Lazarus and their community as we've explored this miracle story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Each week we've honed in on a particular part of the story and examined it through the lens of grief. We've used the framework of Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's Stages of Grief for this sermon series. So far we've taken a look at denial and anger, bargaining and depression. And throughout the series, we've been reminded through the scriptures that God has created the human psyche, body, and spirit to experience grief as a way to cope with our loss and to find meaning from our loss, ultimately leading to hope and new life. In other words, God created humans as resilient creatures. With the creativity of God comes nuances and differences and beauty. And just as God has designed each of us uniquely, each of us will experience a unique grief process. This is normal and natural 
and God designed. It is a part of the struggle and the splendor of being human. Up to today, we've been perplexed as to why Jesus didn't go right away to Lazarus' family when he learned of Lazarus' illness. Could he have temporarily experienced some denial? That is, shock and numbness to this news he was hearing. We've listened in as Jesus finally goes to Bethany to visit the family after Lazarus has died, and Martha is angry. Jesus doesn't try to change her anger, he simply receives it, understanding that her anger covers other emotions she's not yet ready to face. He tells her she is standing in the very presence of life, even in the pain of death. Last week, we wept with Mary and her community as we explored the stages of bargaining and depression. Again, Jesus didn't minimize or did diminish the questioning or sadness from grief. He joins with the community in deep compassion, and Jesus wept with them. The grace in the stages of this non-linear grief process is that it allows time for our brains to process loss in our lives. God is with us at every moment, always moving us toward healing. Today, Jesus moves to Lazarus's tomb as we turn to acceptance and finding meaning in our loss. Jesus, standing at the tomb, is still greatly disturbed. Not just disturbed, but greatly disturbed. In other words, he is feeling those emotions which lie deep in his gut. The most profound and moving of human emotions deep in the center of his being. What was the reason for Jesus' deep emotion? Was it grief that his friend was dead? That he hadn't been there in time? That the community was hurting? Or was it coming from a desire to show the people the resurrecting nature of God? To reveal his true identity beyond just telling them? Perhaps it was a combination of things. Had reality set in? Acceptance as one of the stages of grief isn't being okay with the loss, and it isn't a finality. It is a process. It is when we begin to understand that life as we knew it is going to be different. It is when we recognize we're going to need to figure out a new normal in our lives. Kubler-Ross is quoted as saying, death does not need to be a catastrophic, destructive thing. Indeed, it can be viewed as the one of the most constructive, positive, and creative elements of culture and life. It is with this perspective on death and grief that David Kessler, student and colleague of Kubler-Ross, has added a sixth stage to grief, finding meaning. Kessler describes finding meaning as an understanding that as grief lessens in intensity over time, 
there is an opportunity for the grief to transform into something rich and fulfilling. Through time and meaning, we find more than the pain of grief. Grief is a curious thing. I never did call Susan. I couldn't. It was a full year before I could talk about Jeff with anyone outside of my family. It was so painful that I couldn't put words to my feelings and experience. And quite honestly, I worried that I would upset people with my tears and sadness. Over the years, I found myself wishing that I had, at the very least, sent Susan a card thanking her for that phone call. And though I never talked with her, the message she left made a profound impact on me. As my life has intersected with others over the years in their pain, I've followed Susan's example and reached out to others in empathy. Her action gave me courage. She modeled for me how connection, no matter how small, can help heal a broken heart. Jesus connected with the pain of his community, and this is where things turn from mourning to joy. As Jesus says to remove the stone from Lazarus's tomb, Martha reminds Jesus that Lazarus has been in there for four days, just in case Jesus has somehow forgotten that after three days, there's no life force left for him to work with. There was no way he was going to resurrect a dead, smelly body. I wonder, too, if Martha was also saying, just like you can't resurrect a dead body, you can't resurrect my heart. It's too late, Jesus. There is too much pain. Jesus looked at her and he said, didn't I tell you if you believed you would see the glory of God? And it is at this point the stone is rolled away. Jesus thanks God and he commands Lazarus to come out. The dead man came out. Jesus then tells those wrappings to unbind Lazarus and let him go. Sit with that for just a moment. Messy, smelly, painful, binding, constricting, suffocating death ended because of Jesus. Grief is a curious thing. The death we experience through our loss is never the end of the story. There is always resurrection. It's not something that we can rush to, though, because it takes time to understand, to accept, and to process. But it's always there. Life is always present just waiting for us to recognize that it's standing right in front of us. When I heard my call to ministry, it never once occurred to me that I couldn't become a pastor. 
that my gender could somehow prohibit me from living out my call. I didn't go through any of the questioning and pushback that I hear so many other women experience. And you know why? It was in part because I saw a woman in the pulpit during my formative years. Her name? Susan. She had been a part of my childhood church and she responded to a call to ministry during my school-aged years. With a spouse and three young children at home, she enrolled in seminary and began following the path to ordination. I would do just about anything to have my brother back. The world lost a sensitive, funny, creative, persistent, ornery, intelligent, energetic young man when he died. My parents lost a beloved son. My youngest brother and I lost the lighthearted center to our relationship. It's been 25 years and we all still grieve. My understanding of Jeff's death and Jeff's life has evolved over the years. The ways I recognize how my life intersected and was impacted by my brother has deepened. God has used the pain that I experienced from his loss to shape my ministry in a particular way. The loss of Jeff broke open my heart, which already had a natural bend toward those who are hurting. Over the years, God has expanded and deepened my capacity to sit with others in their pain. In Henry Nouwen's book, The Wounded Healer, he suggests that the paradox of pain and joy is what can heal the world. This is something that can be found within ourselves, he said, and once we recognize it and share it with others, the first signs of hope become visible. This is because a shared pain, he goes on to say, no longer becomes paralyzing, but mobilizing when it is understood to be a way of liberation. Grief is a curious thing. It is a process of liberation. The gospel message boiled down is one from life to death to new life. Freedom from bondage, from pain, from disconnection, liberation. This is the hope of the world. When we share our life experiences, our pain, our joy, our hope with others, God uses this to heal us and to heal the world. As impactful as Susan was in my life through that phone message, and through the modeling of how she followed God calls in her, God's call in her life, story doesn't end there. I've shared with you that while I was in seminary, I was a part of a specialized program where I got to work as a chaplain in a local hospital. Care to guess who the director of pastoral care was at that hospital? Susan. As I sat in the interview before I began the program, she was checking in with me and asked how my family was doing. I thanked her for that phone call so many years before. 
I got to share with her how in a time where I couldn't speak about Jeff, her compassion touched me so very deeply. Susan ended up being my supervisor for the duration of the five-month program at that hospital. The way that God shaped her continued to shape and mold me as well. Grief is a curious thing. As it ebbs and flows over time, the sand smooths some of the jagged places in our hearts, softening and changing us. At times, it feels all-consuming, other times mildly present. It's complex and conflicted and shows up in our emotions, our behaviors, and our bodies. Grief hurts, it changes, and it moves. Grief is a curious thing. Grief is healing. Grief is liberating. Grief is an expression of love. It is beautiful, painful, and life-giving. Grief is hope. May your God, my God, our God, who offers us endless hope and love and life, remind all of us that reconciliation, restoration, and resurrection is the way your mourning is turned into joy. May you experience the life God designed for you. Go and live freely, my friends. Amen. As we turn to the table of grace, one where we are offered reconciliation and resurrection, we are reminded that Jesus is our hope and our host at this table. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right that we should always and everywhere give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who rose victorious from the dead and comforts us with the blessed hope of everlasting life. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your no name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death and resurrection, you gave birth to your church delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a covenant by water and the Spirit. When the Lord Jesus ascended, he promised to be with us always in the power of your word and Holy Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this 
in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you and gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ, Christ has, has died, Christ, Christ is risen, risen. Christ, Christ will come, come again. again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on each and every one of us in all of the ways that we are gathered and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in communion with all your state saints. Bring us all to the table where your saints feast forever. Amen. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And with the confidence as children of God, let us pray together the prayer that Jesus taught us by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This is the bread of life, which has been broken and given for you. This is the cup of salvation which has been poured out for you. Take, eat, and receive these gifts of grace with thanksgiving in your hearts. Amen.
each week throughout this Good Grief worship series, we have been uh, lifting one of the ministry partners that Stony Brook uh, chose to support through the Christmas offering this past year. These ministry partners were chosen because of the good work that they do in the area of mental health. So take a look today at this video um, from Debbie Harvey with Helping Haitian Angels. Hello, Stony Brook family. I just wanted to personally thank you for your offering, your generous gift to help our kids in Haiti. Um, it's a big year for us as far as trauma and mental health goes, trauma care for our kids, which is exactly what your gift is gonna go toward. Uh, we've hired a Haitian psychologist who is also working with an American family therapist, neuropediatric guy that we love. He's been down with us to Haiti a few times. Together, they have created a plan to help our kids with their trauma issues. And you can imagine growing up in an orphanage, having been abandoned or lost your family, creates trauma issues of their own and then add in all the other reasons these kids have trauma issues. We decided this year that if we are truly doing what God wants us to do for his children, which is take care of the whole child, we can provide them education, clean water, nutritious food, loving families. And um, if we don't address the trauma issues, the mental health issues, then we're truly not taking care of the whole child. So we decided to make this a focus for us this year. I went down after the borders and everything opened up last year. I, I was finally able to go in August and I really felt like God slammed me um, with some very specific cases with our kids and realizing the severity and the depth of this trauma that they had experienced earlier in their lives and that we needed to focus on that. Like I said, we can do everything to keep them healthy and safe and educated, but if we're not taking care of these issues, then we're not taking care of them the way we believe God wants us to. So with your help and um, your gift, we're gonna be able to pay Guestly, our psychologist, to come in pretty much full time. He was a couple days a week, now he'll be at our place every day of the week. He's actually creating an office on our campus. So um, our kids will have access to him pretty much daily. So again, thank you all. We are so, so grateful for you, your hearts for our kids, your continued support for all that God has us doing down there, especially now with these trauma issues. So love you all. Hope you all have an awesome 2021. Thank you again for everything. You can give your offering through our website at stonybrook.church give, or you can mail your offering into the church office. We are so thankful for all of the ways that you offer yourself to God through the mission and ministries of Stony Brook Church. And now we share together our benediction as we leave this time of worship and go out into the world being Jesus for this hurting world. 
May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go in peace, my friends. Amen. Mm -hmm.